What's up, people? It's another episode of Just for Sport with Jamoke. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. I know I did. Enjoyed watching sports. Some wild stories over the weekend. Bryson Shambo. How funny was that? He thought he missed the cut. Then he finds out on this flight back home that he actually made the cut, turns the jet around to finish up playing in the Wells Fargo Championship. I actually watched the end of that. It's pretty good. Roy McElroy winning again. It was an exciting tournament. Of course, basketball. We're in the final week of the season. The power rankings have changed. I'm not conceding the fact that Chris Paul and Donovan Mitchell should get more looks in consideration for the MVP vote. But it's probably going to be Nikola Jokic, who I think is one of the more talented big men ever to play the game. But we'll look at the rankings, the power rankings of the teams going into the final season. I am really excited about the playoffs and the play-in game, even though LeBron James said the person who came up with the idea for the play-in game should be fired. I don't agree with that because I feel like it adds a little more excitement to the tournament. It's an interesting article with Chris, Chris Haynes who talked to Evan Wash. He's on Yahoo Sports who came up with the play-in tournament. And when you look at where the standings are, yeah, it's pretty exciting. The playoffs started today to see the Lakers and Golden State meeting in the play-in tournament. That would be really cool. That'd be really cool. Major League Baseball is moving right along. Looking at the team's the team futures of who will win the championship, the World Series, rather, excuse me. Well, I just have it. Just have it to call it the championship. It's still early, and not much has changed in my mind of who is the favorite to win the World Series. You know, the teams that we thought would be near the top are working their way more up to the top. And some of the teams at the beginning that were, you know, making a run of it. And I said, hey, maybe take an early flyer on them. Who knows? It may stick. Some of them have faded back, but that's okay. That's okay. All right, but first, we're going to start with something that I feel really sad about. And I feel sad about it for two reasons. It's the Kentucky Derby. One, because listening to Andy Beyer make the prediction that Medina Spirit was going to win, and then it come, come true. Andy Beyer is a famed columnist who follows horse racing and doesn't always pick the winner, but pick the winner. And so it was a cool story 
doubly for me when he actually won. Or rather the horse, Medina Spirit, actually won. But then, of course, unfortunately, you find out that the trainer is Bob Baffert. He's won, I think, seven Kentucky Derbies in his entire career as the as a Hall of Fame trainer. I believe that's a record of seven. But he's also been known to, unfortunately, deal with um, horses that have tested positive for uh, drugs. And after the race, Medina Spirit, they took a blood test, and he had elevated levels of beta-methasone, an anti-inflammatory used to manage pain is what they called it. And not only is it one of those things that's really sad that it has to put a damper on the sport and on Bob Baffert's career and the jockey and the horse Medina Spirit, you know, I mean, it's just a cloud over the entire race. But the other thing that I find really difficult to deal with from a money standpoint is that it's crazy to think that if it is found after a second test that Medina Spirit, yes, test positive for taking this drug, that he will be stripped of winning the Kentucky Derby. Mandaloon will become the winner. And all of the people that bet on the race get to keep their money if they bet on Medina Spirit and don't get to make any money if they bet on Mandaloon. All bets will stand as settled as John Ewing, data analyst for BetMGM, said. Disqualifications do not change the results. But realistically, it does. It changes it a lot. And I wonder if Medina Spirit, who is a 12-to-1 odds to win the race, and Mandaloon at 26-to-1, that's a big difference. That also doesn't help it's, it's, it's very complicated. I get it. But I wonder if it is better for everyone only in regards to horse racing, in my mind, but maybe is it something to think of in a larger context and picture that winnings be held until something like a drug test is determined. I know that's very difficult for if you were to think about it in terms of, you know, uh, basketball or football or baseball, if a player tested positive for something or a player like Pete Rose got in trouble for betting. And let's say that they he bet on his games and they won the World Series and they said, Oh, well he bet on his game, so the team is disqualified. You know, or trash can gate, right? With the Houston Astros. Major League Baseball did not strip the Astros of the World Series title. If a team 
or and it's much easier in an individual sport or a horse race you know and I say individual sport like a um, like a tennis or golf okay then maybe you can't say hey we've got to hold the results for a week or two if testing is involved then you hold the results 2.8 million dollars over 2.8 million dollars were bet on Medina Spirit and over 1.3 million was bet on Mandaloon. But the odds make it so that at 26 to 1 odds, there would possibly be more of a payout for Mandaloon than for Medina Spirit. That is very true. But I, my, I just, it's, I, I, man, I feel bad for the people that on both sides that bet on Medina Spirit and on Mandaloon. I mean, to think you were so close, if you were Mandaloon, to lose the race. Oh, man, I lost my money. Then to find out that the race that, the, the horse that did win it tested positive for drugs, like that doesn't seem fair to me. But that's the way it goes. I wasn't shocked by it, unfortunately, because Bob Baffert's horses. You know, he's got a little bit of a history there. He's got a bit of a history there. And because of that history, Baffert may not be allowed to race a horse again. He has been suspended by Churchill Downs and maybe because of all of the issues and controversy surrounding Baffert's horses and race results. It may have larger ramifications for Baffert's career and his horses as a whole. And you think about, because it's a horse, I think that it probably is getting less attention versus if it was an athlete. But I do think that it is right that the horse racing community the governing body think about if Baffert is bad for horse racing. I mean, certainly this result is bad for a lot of people. There's no doubt about that. Something else I have no doubt about is that I will enjoy the NBA playoffs. And I feel like I have been saying that more and more as we get closer and closer to the playoffs and we are in the final week of the season. And I'm looking at the different matchups that may come into play. Some of them I'm more excited about than others. But looking at the playoffs seating or standing as it is right now, I really am excited about the possibility of seeing the Lakers and Golden State have to play in the play-in tournament. Steph Curry, you know, putting the Golden State Warriors on his back in this epic scoring run as it is a good chance that he will win the scoring title over Beal, especially if Bradley Beal is now going to be out due to injury for at least one or two games. But I'm excited about that matchup. If it comes to fruition that next it will be the Lakers versus the Phoenix Suns, if the Lakers were to beat Golden State, I'd be excited about that. See Chris Paul, who could have potentially been a Laker, maybe even retired as a Laker, 
going up against, you know, it was a controversy when he was maybe going to be traded from New Orleans to the Lakers, and that trade was um, reversed, and he never played there. But I think two guards in Devin Booker and Chris Paul going up against two forwards in LeBron James and Anthony Davis as the best in the game, they don't guard each other per se. But that is an exciting matchup, especially as I think about, even when I think about this MVP race, you know, the big man versus the little man, so to speak. Denver, Dallas, Clippers, Portland, not bad. Again, you got Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. What I don't quite understand is, and actually going back to the play-in tournament, I actually feel like the seventh seed should play the tenth seed, and the eighth and ninth, eight and nine seed should play each other. That's the only thing I'm not quite, I don't quite get about the play-in tournament. And then obviously the lowest seed winner in the play-in tournament should play the seventh seed. Am I saying that right? The or the highest seed, I guess. If it was Memphis at nine, they should play Phoenix at two, and if Golden State at eight were to beat the Lakers, they should play. Utah at one. No, excuse me. Memphis should play Utah. Golden State would play Phoenix. That's how I think it should be. And that seems to be the case based on the winner and loser in the games, but I'm not quite sure why 7 and 10 isn't playing an 8 and 9. That doesn't make sense to me. On the Eastern Conference side, Washington and Indiana have scored a lot of points in their regular season games. So that should be fun against each other, I mean. That should be fun to see that matchup if it does come to fruition. I am really surprised to see. If you asked me if Boston was going to be in a playing tournament, I would say, no way. But I love the matchup now that they're there because you've got the new young upstart point guard for Charlotte in LaMelo Ball going up against the former former point guard of the Charlotte Hornets and Kimball Walker. That's going to be fun to watch. That's going to be fun to watch. If you look at those other matchups, Milwaukee, Miami, possibly Brooklyn playing Boston if they beat Charlotte, I would think that Boston could beat Charlotte, but you never know. But if you had to ask me today which team I think would win that series, I would say Boston. And I would say Washington would beat Indiana. Boston would play Brooklyn next, and Philly would play Washington. And I like that 95 matchup between Philly and Washington. You've got what will most likely now be the second leading score in the NBA and Bradley Beal going up against Philadelphia, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. See how they can control him. And of course, Russell Westbrook. What can they do with Russell Westbrook to shut him down? New York, the upstart team against Atlanta, another upstart team in many ways going against each other. Two newbies to the playoffs. One more unexpected than the other in the Knicks to be in this position. Tom Thibodeau has done a great job with that team. 
and Julius Randle, who no doubt he is going to get most improved player of the year, has been amazing. He's just simply been amazing. Now there's still some shifts left as we get into the final week. Just a half a game separates the Nets and Bucks. One game separates the Knicks, Hawks, and Heat. And one and a half games separate the Hornets, Wizards, and Pacers. I just don't see. I think the Bulls are done. I think Toronto's done. They're not out of the play-in tournament per se, but they're pretty close. They're pretty close. And I don't see either the Nets or Bucks catching the Sixers either. They've won eight in a row. They're playing great. Eight and two in their last ten. The Bucks have won five in a row. They're eight and two in their last ten as well. But I think the Sixers have locked up that number one seed. Now it's just a matter of if they're going to be able to get the number one seed throughout the NBA Finals. And if there's a way for them to catch the Jazz, who have won five in a row themselves and have a record of 50 and 18. I don't see it. But I do see a little bit more jockeying for position. The Suns can still catch the Jazz. They're only two games behind the Jazz at the top of the Western Conference. One game separates the Clippers and Nuggets. One game separates the Mavericks and Trailblazers. Then right below them, so if you wanted to say two games, separate the Mavericks, Trailblazers, and Lakers. So there's still some jockeying for position there. A half a game separate the Warriors and Grizzlies. And the San Antonio Spurs are a game and a half ahead of New Orleans. Maybe a bit of, you know joking but I'm sure the NBA as much as they would never ever say they don't want to see the Spurs in the playoffs if there's any chance that being a game and a half back the Pelicans can catch the Spurs you know they are hoping that they can do that this week I don't know if that's going to be possible though I don't know strength of schedule Phoenix New York and Milwaukee have the easiest schedule this final week So when you look at the standings, Phoenix may have the best chance of catching Utah. They very well may. New York can hold on to their position in the four spot. They can't really do any better. They're not going to catch the Bucs. And the Bucs? I thought maybe there would be some drama with the playoff position for the toughest teams, but the top three are three of the worst teams right now in the NBA in Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Houston. But it's going to be exciting this week. It really will be. And then, this is the final week to make a standing for MVP. Now, from the beginning, the player I thought about was Chris Paul. Why was he not in consideration for MVP? No one was talking about him. Okay, he may not have the highest scoring percentage. He's at 16 points per game, averaging eight assists. He has the best assist-to-turnover ratio among starters. And the Suns are doing better when he's on the court. Three points better per 100 possessions. That's not a lot. But the fact that they have may end up with the best record in the NBA... You know this is no fluke. You saw how much better Chris Paul made Oklahoma City. Look at Oklahoma City right now. Oklahoma City made the playoffs last year. 
Oklahoma City is 21 and 48 this season without Chris Paul. Chris Paul makes made them better. He made them one of the top two teams in the league. And I think he just doesn't get enough love. He just doesn't get enough love. Now, there's been some talk about Steph Curry possibly getting it as well. He's on an amazing pace right now. But I think with a record of 35 and 33, you at some point you've got to consider the record of the team as well. And two games over 500, I just don't see it. I just don't I just don't see it. Joel Embiid. Now, I think that yes, Philadelphia has played very very well. They have the best record in the Eastern Conference. They're 47 and 21, which only puts them a game behind the Phoenix Suns. And I think a, a lot of that is due to Joel Embiid or Joel Embiid. Man, I heard that. Joel, Joel Embiid. Philly is 38-11 and 11 with him on the court. That's a 776 winning percentage. They're 9-10 and 10 without them. He has been amazing. He's averaging 29 points and 10 rebounds. But my thing is that he has also missed almost 20 games. And because of that, I think that I would be surprised if he wins the MVP. You shouldn't miss that many games. And you still have the third best record in the NBA. That means that the team held it down without you for a good amount of time. And thus, I, I don't know if I could pick him. Giannis, he's already won the award twice. And that's back-to-back going into this season. Which is amazing. He's rec- he's second in plus-minus rating, third in player fin- efficiency, and fourth in win shares. I would say I probably have not been giving him his due. They are forty-three and twenty-four. That's six games behind the Utah Jazz, three and a half games behind the Philadelphia 76ers. But I look at that team and I say, okay. Why do I put him over Joel Embiid if I look at the roster around him in Milwaukee and I think about Chris Middleton, he got the big contract, but I wouldn't necessarily consider him to be better than Rudy Gobert as a second tier player to Donovan Mitchell. I think the signing of Drew Holiday may have been key to the Bucks not taking a step back this year. That's what I would say. And he's second. But I also feel like I have backed off a little bit on Donovan Mitchell. And he was, in my mind, in second place. They have the best record in the NBA. I think when you look at scoring-wise, as an individual, okay, he's not up there in points per game, top 10, 26.4 points per game, averaging 5.2 assists. But his injury towards the end of the season has really, unfortunately, hurt the team. And maybe I am also not giving enough credit to uh, Mike Connolly, who was who is injured, but also Bogdanovich, not giving enough credit to Rudy Gobert. 
The Jazz are the only team in the top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency. To end the season, they're at Golden State versus Portland, at OKC, and at Sacramento. Probably don't expect to have Donovan Mitchell back until the playoffs. But realistically, he didn't have a shot. He just didn't have a shot. He didn't. And the reason why he didn't is because there is one player in Nikola Jokic who will, in many players, many people's mind, not mine, I don't have a vote, I think that he will win the MVP. He has, he's amazing. I mean, if I have, as I've said for years, that he is maybe the most talented big man, not just this season, but even when Giannis was winning MVPs and Joel Embiid having a great season this season, um, mostly because for me, as I think about his passing, his passing is uncanny. His unselfishness, which doesn't count in many in any stat book as what is making you a more valuable player, but the way he gets his team involved, he's averaging 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, shooting 56.6% from the field, 40% from three. He's 6'11 and 284. Only Oscar Robertson and Russell Westbrook, who are guards, that have averaged 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists. He's at the top in several stat categories. Win shares, win shares per 48 minutes, the plus minus, box plus minus, and value over replacement player. Even when Jamal Murray went down, he has kept them afloat. And it's funny because as I was watching the Brooklyn Nets and and the Denver Nuggets, I said in my head, they were up by 21 points. I said, if they win this game, they win it handily. How can I not say that Jokic is, he's simply the best. He's the MVP. They're, they're, They're 20 games over 500. They're six games behind Utah similar to Milwaukee with Giannis, who I'd said was my third pick for MVP behind Donovan Mitchell. Or excuse me, yes, he's behind Donovan Mitchell, but Jokic is number one. But if you, in my mind, I I would have no problem saying, no, I think it should be Donovan Mitchell for MVP. But his injuries towards the end of the season, the fact that Jokic has not missed a game, Jokic is going to win it, and deservedly so. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. They've lost two games in a row. they got to turn it around here at the end of the season. Probably are not going to be able to catch the Jazz. Matter of fact, they won't catch the Jazz. But I think that what Jokic has done just doesn't quite get the kind of respect um, that they probably deserve. Now, they end the season all on the road at Charlotte, at Minnesota, at Detroit, and at Portland. They could potentially catch the, catch the, or get the number three seed over the Clippers. All four, three of these four teams that they're playing are below 500. So there is a shot there. There is a shot for them. But that's my pick, Jokic. Shout out to DK Metcalf. 
No, he didn't qualify for the Olympics, but his run was pretty amazing. His running ability. No, I'm not talking about the NFL game where he chased down a DB and tackled him. That's not what I'm talking about. But you know what I'm talking about. If you follow sports, at least. You saw DK Metcalf trying to get into the Olympics in a 100-meter dash. He failed to qualify, but 10.37 seconds. Finished 15th out of 17. He weighed much more than the other runners, who are probably in some ways insulted that a football player thinks he can somehow compete for Olympic gold in track and field, but he's fast and he's big. I think some some reports that he weighed 75 pounds to 80 pounds more than the other racers, including the winner, and still he looked fast. Maybe even faster than the other runners when you consider how much more weight he had on him. But he didn't do as well in his heat at the USA Track and Field Golden Games and Distance Open, as it's called, to move on. But still an amazing accomplishment. So shout out to him to end the show. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Hope you enjoyed it. Until Thursday. Ciao for now. <laughs>